0: Hello, everyone. I'm Marquita Curtis Haynes. I'm the host of the Ageless Glamour Girls podcast. I'm also CEO and founder of the lifestyle brand, Ageless Glamour Girls, which targets women 50. And we talk all things aging on this challenging, but lovely and liberating journey. We're so glad that you're here. We also manage a private chat, a private community on Facebook called the Ageless Cafe. So come on over there and join us over there as well now on today's show it's a club that no one wants to be a part of and that is widowhood our guest is debbie weiss she's a former attorney turn arthur wait till you hear her story welcome to the show debbie
1: thank you marquita
0: debbie you and your late husband were high school sweethearts so tell his name is was is george Tell us about how you met him. Was it at the locker? You know, was he on, on the football team? And uh, when did you know that he was the one?
1: Well, I actually knew George since I was seven years old and he was an older man of 11. Um, his mom and my dad worked together as scientists at a research laboratory here in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And we got thrown together at family parties and um, until eventually I was 17 and he was 21 he was not on the football team He's kind of the opposite he was an engineering major at UC Berkeley mm-hmm. and I was kind of a geek he'd been a geek and I needed a prom date and we got thrown together at one of the, those family parties and we clicked and and mm-hmm. we started dating and we went mm-hmm. to my prom and we were together ever since
0: wow wow and you you guys went on to build a beautiful life together 32 years is that right
1: yeah. 32 years. Yes.
0: And then some, the devastation came. Doctors diagnosed him with cancer.
1: You're right. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, he lasted through my, I went to law school and I was an attorney and I practiced for 11 years. I retired when I was 40 and George worked very hard. He was a tech guy at Intuit. Um, he was the lead guy on Quicken, which is a program for finances. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But th- then one day in 2009, he came home and, um, Gosh, I was in my my mid uh, mid to late forties. I think so I was about forty seven, okay. and he said, "You know, I've been diagnosed, and I have this, I have metastasized male breast cancer, and oh. the doctors can treat it." And you know, we had a few good years. Um, we had a few good years until, you know, probably mid to late twenty twelve, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then then the cancer started to win.
0: <laughs> wow! Wow! And you were fifty at the time. Is that yeah, right? I was
1: 49 when he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was 49 when I lost him. Suddenly alone.
0: Wow. First, first you cried and then you other, then you you take other first steps and imagine what happens in that moment? What you know, once you get, I mean, let's start with the grieving process, if, if you don't mind, and then sure. go on to the next step.
1: Well, the grieving process, it's really hard. George was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we were really isolated, we didn't have any kids. Um, I'm an only child. He was an only child. My father who I was close to is an only child. There just wasn't, you know, a lot of family around. My dad mm-hmm. was having health problems then. Mm-hmm. And I was just lost. I mean, wow. my house felt, I had a small house, but it felt alien, you know, like the walls mm-hmm. feel like they're closing in. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, everything feels really empty. Mm-hmm. Sound feels different. It's really surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a former lawyer. So I kind of got into being organized and it gave me something to do. So I would sort of get up, I couldn't sleep, I'd be the one in the yard gardening at 430am, you know, wow. looking normal, okay. except that it's 430am. Mm-hmm. At eight o'clock, I was there making phone calls, you know, getting mm-hmm. all the stuff st- straightened out. Mm-hmm. George, you know, he did everything. I, w- I was a lawyer, but he knew the passwords, he paid all the bills from his computer I didn't know how to do anything. I, I didn't even, he had this, he was an engineer. Our, our home theater system was way beyond me. So I, I was pretty lost. So during the day I was trying to deal with things, but then at night it just felt just empty and terrible. That, mm. that was the hard part.
0: Wow. And then your your friends want to be there for you, your family, but sometimes they they don't know what to say. And, you right. know, it, it can get really tough. I, and ima- I imagine, um, but then you decided, and I'm not going to spend the rest of my life, you know, throwing this this pity party. So what were your next steps? What did you decide to do?
1: Well, I was so alone. I mean, I could go days without talking to other people, except for mm-hmm. my dad, who I would visit. He lived real close. But, you know, again, I didn't have a lot of close friends. George had been my friend. I'd quit practicing law almost 10 years before. Um, you know, I didn't have these these close friends. There was no casseroles. There was no one I really called. So I decided to get out of the house. I started real basic walking. I'm a big mm-hmm. walker. Just mm-hmm. get out, walk. I lived in a nice suburban area. Nice people say hello, look at the oh. flowers. I joined a yoga studio, a gym, say mm-hmm. hello to people from there. This is a little crazy, but I was in a small suburban town, not, not small, but not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. I joined our rotary group. Uh one fellow I, I'd met in my neighborhood, a neighbor said, Hey, come to Rotary. And I did that. Um I had my late husband's Georgia sports car. I was going to sell it. But the guy who had the car club where I asked for info was so nice. I joined mm-hmm. the car club. And then from there, I would go to weekend breakfasts and a Wednesday night dinner with the Rotary Club. And I yeah. put on like real pants, not like the sweatpants I'm wearing now. And, you know, go out. Mm-hmm. Um I joined some other, you know, some groups to walk, mm-hmm. a personal training thing with some other women. Mm-hmm. I just kind of found some groups. And the biggest, the best thing for me was writing because I'd loved writing and I'd taken a class before George died. Mm-hmm. So I went back to my writing class and, and connected. It was an older group of folks than me, mostly because they were senior citizens. It was a retirement sort of center writing class. Right. And I, I did that.
0: Wow, that's so, uh, yeah. So you channel all of that grief into to to something new or familiar just to keep yourself busy and try to keep your mind off of, keep try to keep your mind o- as occupied as you can.
1: Exactly. And to kind of write, you know, writing's good because I was writing about what I was going through mm-hmm. and the writing people were super nice. And one of the people in the group, you know, there was, a, there was a class, but there was a group of people who were more serious and he invited me to join the group. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, two days a week, I had homework, right? I wanted to get my writing in. I'm, I had people to be with, you know. They, I had my little armchair at my friend's house. a mm-hmm. little dog. And we'd mm-hmm. read our writing and we'd talk. And we'd, I knew there'd be something next week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that led to more things. You know, from there, I expanded. And I joined meetup groups for hiking. Mm-hmm. So my weekends were busy. And I joined some other meetup groups that maybe weren't so great. But I, I, I expanded more. You know, I said, say, oh, here's something. Yoga. I went on yoga retreats with girlfriends you know, I started oh, to do, right. I traveled. That mm-hmm. was great. My, George hadn't wanted to travel. He was a workaholic, but I took some trips by myself uh, with my college
0: alumni association. And that was very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you, and so that led to you going back to school, right? Um, to, to For writing, right? Is You're right. Yes. It? Yeah,
1: I did. I really enjoy, I was loving writing and I was starting to send my essays out to publications.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that was, that was good for me. You know, I felt like I had a little bit of a something to do a purpose right. and it was it was fun right. to get things published and talk mm-hmm. to folks who who did that mm-hmm. and I was writing I started to write a book mm-hmm. the, the people in my writing group were doing it and I couldn't write more than you know I was used to writing you know 1500 word essays so right. putting a book together yeah. is very challenging
0: right I, yeah I can imagine yeah I'm trying to put this together now but there, yes that's another story yeah. <laughs> it's hard right Right, yeah. and I still wrote a bit
1: like a lawyer, so I decided to go back to school, and I got an MFA in writing, um, creative nice. writing. I mm-hmm. went to my it's called Saint Mary's College of California. It was mm-hmm. a lovely mm-hmm. campus with green trees, and I went back with the kids and did a two year master's degree in writing.
0: Nice, nice. And you were I feeding that energy as well with with a with the youngins.
1: Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, with the yeah. exactly mm-hmm. different perspectives, different people. Mm-hmm you know, being surrounded by kids. I mean, it was kind of fun, you know? It was very, and it was, I wasn't used to having deadlines and, and set times to be places. And that was, <laughs> right. you know, it was, it was good.
0: Right. You
1: had
0: to right. do that. Right. And uh, so let's talk about your book. Um, it's called, I've, I'm sorry, sorry. It's called Av- Available As Is. I love it. Yes. Available As Is, A Midlife widow's Search for Love. Tell yes. us about your
1: book. Well, thank you. Um, my book was about creating a new life after I was widowed. And I also talk about, you know, finding a voice after an all-encompassing marriage. Mm-hmm. Because for 32 years, I was we with George. And I'd been a wee since I was 17. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how to be an I. Mm. I mean, George didn't like to travel. So, you know, my life's like, oh, we don't, we, don't, we don't like to travel. Well, I'd never traveled. I don't know. I didn't know, like, what do I, even what do I like to eat? Mm-hmm. What do I, you know, whole different topic when I was dating, what do I even want? Right. So it was very much the sense in the book of trying to create this new life and finding hope and taking little steps forward. I'm an anxious person. So I wasn't going to do these huge, you know, things like, you know, I wasn't, I'm not Elizabeth Gilbert. I wasn't going to go you know to India and join an ashram right. or something. <laughs> what, what could I do? Exactly. And how could I find myself? And it also involved dating, um, which I started to do 14 months after I lost George. Okay, And that was such a bizarre experience. I had to write about that. Yeah, So I, I did that.
0: Uh, I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: But, but the book was really ultimately about, about finding myself and about finding, about a, a, a midlife woman finding herself after a huge relationship where she'd been kind of submerged as part of that relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can't, I've been married 23 years and you can get lost. In a marriage yes and and um so i was thinking about something you just mentioned about the love thing it's a whole new ball game out there now right about trying to find love in midlife tell us about that
1: well i've been part i've been off that for five years but when i was doing this it was 2014 i believe and it was bizarre because i hadn't dated since 1980 when i was 16. wow and you, you know and i've you know boys picked you up they took you out they phoned And this, you know, the dating's a wild, wild west. I mean, you're online and these crazy people, you're getting these awful messages, you're getting these nuts. And Mm -hmm. even if you do find a real person, I just felt that standards uh, weren't there anymore. Courtesy, basic things, you know. Why is somebody, you know, offering a second date of come on over to my place and hot tub? Why is nobody, why is somebody asking you out and then canceling 12 times at the last minute? You know, it was just, all these kinds of rules and trying to navigate it and mm-hmm. also making sure, you know, not to settle and kind of looking out for what I wanted. But I did, I did meet a lot of different folks. Cause again, I'm a writer and I had a lot of free time. So I right. went on a lot of coffee dates and just mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. see what was out there.
0: That, yeah. Yeah. You use the word wild. Yeah. I've, I've heard some wild stories about dating at midlife uh, as well. And in your book, you describe the, the the degree, the decrease in the quality of middle-aged men. Yes. What's up with that? I,
1: I wish I knew because, you know, I know so many amazing middle midlife women. I mean, they're great. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so few great midlife men, a few, um, you know, I certainly met some, but in general, no, you know, I, I have reasons I, I write on a, few, a little bit about it. I think a lot of men, they're very disillusioned. They're angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read that women, we tend to internalize our anger. If something's wrong, we blame ourselves. You know, oh, I'm not pretty enough. If I were 50 pounds, 15 pounds lighter, I'd meet the right man. And mm-hmm. men are like, you know, well, women just, you know, they're just wrong. They're greedy. They're, you know, they, they get angry. And I think a lot of folks are angry because, you know, they have these relationships and they're divorced and you've lost half your savings, half your, and the and the emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And then, with each failed relationship, it gets worse, mm-hmm. and people don't invest, so they're very disillusioned and they're angry. Um, and you know, a lot of the folks men I met were really living in their past. i mm-hmm. I had so many conversations where you know, I was a widow, but I was looking for love again. I figured mm-hmm. I believed it was possible, and I wanted to move forward, and I knew it would be different than George. And I met so many men, and all they could talk about were their ex-wives and Their ex girlfriends, and it was like they were shell shocked, and they're looking for another woman to kind of explain to them how did you get here?
0: Okay, okay, (laughs) wow, (laughs) that's yeah, that's something. Again, I've I've been hearing wild stories uh, about uh, dating in midlife, but there is hope. There is hope. But getting back to um, something you said earlier uh, about you know the different uh, stages of grieving or something like that, but. What I want to know is what is the best advice that you have for for women who have lost their loved ones. How do you what's the how do you get through that? What's your best advice?
1: Oh, my best advice, don't do what I did. I mean, don't date too soon. Don't drink bourbon. You know.
0: But, right, um, right, right. But right. my
1: best advice really, I mean, it would be helpful to have a network of friends because I really didn't have that. But I think the most helpful thing is to take little steps forward to be outside or with, uh, if possible, with other people. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a huge thing. I know I wasn't up for huge things. I couldn't, I couldn't even with my phone. I couldn't drive without getting lost for a while to new oh. places. You know? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but a little thing, a yoga class, saying hi to people in class, um, a weekly breakfast group, a walking group. Um, you know, even when I, I moved a couple years ago, when I felt lonely, I joined a couple hiking groups in my area, walking groups
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, things, things like that. Um, a yoga center has a great community where I live now. There's a lovely mm-hmm. yoga center with, with mm-hmm. lovely people. So I would say just kind of look at what what you like to do, not things you hate. You know, you're not trying to push too hard and then just kind of gently venture out a little bit. You know, you can take fo- small steps forward.
0: Um, oh, uh-huh, sorry. Mm-hmm. if that you, helps yeah oh that, that's huge I'm sure now getting back to what you said about don't date too soon um I, I remember reading this article and It was talking about you know after loss or after you know uh divorce or whatever how soon is how soon is too soon to start dating to start looking
1: that is so personal you know I think that is so very personal because mm-hmm. you know for some people when they by the time they've had a loss they've separated to some degree or the partner's been very ill for a long time. Mm -hmm. For me, 14 months when I started dating was too soon. Mm -hmm. Now 14 months sounds like a good amount of time, but I wasn't that strong. You know, I had to find myself without George. Right. And and I had to find out that I could be okay without a man and that I could make a life for myself and how to do that without a guy. Mm -hmm. Because I was so used to, you know, if you want to go get a coffee, You bring your husband, right? Or you want anything you want to do? You got your exactly
0: right. Or
1: anything goes wrong around your house, you're not alone. Um, Right. Right. So I really had to figure that out by myself and and have a a decent sense of self and not like just see. Well, did these guys like me? Was I likable? Was I appealing? It didn't really matter. I I had to like myself and and be okay with myself and have my own interests Mm -hmm. before I could before I could date. So I think it's really a matter of finding yourself and feeling good in yourself and feeling that your life on your own is good. You just want to add to it. Not mm-hmm. that it's empty and you need
0: something. Right. Right. Remember, I don't know if you remember this book from way back when, uh, I think it was called men are just desserts where hmm. you're the main entree. And once you get yourself together, taken care of, you know, then you're, you're more open. And you're, you know, you can manage that whole thing better. You know, once you get yourself and know who you are and know what your truth is. But yeah, I think that was the name of it in the seventies. I think it came out in their eighties. I missed that one. I remember yeah. the rules. I, I
1: remember some, you know, women are from Venus and such. I don't, I never heard men are just desserts but that's very clever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, and getting back to what you said about the greed. You know, the thing about, uh, you know is it too soon a to date that's personal. And of course the grieving process is personal. You know, we all grieve differently. And um, and so w- women need to know that it's okay, you know, if you wanna take a long time or if you wanna, like you said, go inside yourself and not socialize. You know, give people their time, right? Don't, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's so much of this sense, especially like for me, you know, if you're a younger widow and you seem healthy, you seem, you know, fine to the outside world, you know, you're wow. outside, you're not sobbing, you know, I, you, know you look fine, you know, you seem fine. Um, people don't seem to want to hear about your lost person. They don't want to know about, you know, your late husband. They don't. It's just like, oh, are you dating again? Oh, you're getting out there. Or the worst, are you over it? Well, you don't get over it. You integrate a loss. But I felt like people are much more comfortable if you're kind of already moving on. And that's not how that works. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important to know that you can take as much time and integrate your losses and even take days off. You know, I mean, when I was... A newer griever i would take a couple days at a time if i felt terrible and watch movies or mm-hmm. look at pictures of george or whatever it is i did but withdraw a bit just knowing and giving myself kind of a deadline to to venture back out
0: right right and now as, as you mentioned i think you mentioned earlier you have found love again i have wow and you've been with this, with your honey, five, five years, I think, right? Five years now.
1: It's been five years. Yeah. Memorial Day is our
0: anniversary. Yeah. So, it and I, and I found him online. And I, so- that was my next question. Oh, wow. That is so cool. I, yeah. Because I, I know couples who met online and you just have to, That that's part of our society. That, that's the fabric of our world today. You know, I mean, back at the, I met my husband through his sister. I lived on the same floor that she did. And, but today you have to, you just have to. Embrace and put yourself out there, you know, as much as you can, you know. Um, Yeah,
1: online is scary. And I didn't meet a lot of great people. I met probably better qualities of people, like in a hiking group or something where you have more accountability and it's face to face. Mm -hmm. But I met my person online and it was surprising. And we started out as friends and he was mourning his mother. She died recently. And we were neither of us were really in a great dating space. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it. we move towards that, and you know, there is, it's possible, it's possible
0: to, to find love again. Wow. Well, I love that. There is hope. Yes, there's hope. Yes. There is hope. Thank you so much. We have been talking with Debbie Weiss, a former attorney turned author. Her book is called Available as is always mess that word up available, but her book is called <laughs> available, available as is so, um, amid a midlife little search for love. Anything else you want to add that we didn't cover Deb?
1: yes I, I think that takes care of it. I, I guess the one thing I would want to say is, you know, at the beginning, you never you think you'll never be happy again. Mm-hmm. But it's possible. It's been 10 years for me. And overall, I am happy again. So I just really want to I know it feels horrible at the beginning, but I just kind of want to offer the idea of hope that with enough time, things will get better and you can find a, a place of contentment again.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. And where can we go to find out more information about you, about your book?
1: Well, the easiest place to find my book is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 99 cents on Kindle. It's Kindle Unlimited. It's 99 cents. I want readers, please. But um the place to find information on me is my website, Debbie Weiss Author. I'm also on Facebook as Debbie Weiss or Debbie Weiss Author, Instagram about the same. Mm-hmm. And my book, you can order it at local bookstores too, because my local bookstores have been wonderful to me. love
0: local bookstores. I love them.
1: They've been great to me. So you can certainly find it there too. And I I think that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Thank you so much, Deb Weiss. Thank you for coming the, on the Ageless Glamour Girls podcast.
1: Thank you, Marquita, for having me.
0: All right. As she said, you, you know, go get that book if you need it, or if you know someone who's going through that, um, I've looked through it, looked at uh, tidbits, and it looks like a really, really uh, good book uh, to help you through this um, that journey. So again, I'm Marquita Curtis-Haynes, CEO and founder of the Ageless Glamour Girls lifestyle brand. I'm also the host of the Ageless Glam- Glamour Girls Cafe. If you want to reach us, you can do so by emailing us at info at agelessglamourgirls.com. That's info at agelessglamourgirls.com. I am so glad that you're here and we want to hear from you. Send us a note, send us some love, all of that. So here's to healthy aging and joyful living. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you so much and bye-bye for now.